Amen. Amen. You know, it never occurred to me until I saw a kite in West Texas, there might need to be a weight limit on those things because I could see there being a problem out here. <clears throat> but we'll have fun with those, I'm sure, when we get home later today. The good thing, wind's never an issue in this part of the country. And so they should work most days. And it's going to be nice today. I see it's going get, to get up to 77. That's what I saw today. So, of course, it's going to get cold again. That's how it works down here, right? Well, good morning, everybody. This is going to be our last week on the topic of faith. And we are going to have, uh, the, the series coming after this is going to be on <clears throat> missions. We're going to have some of our missionaries in. And so we're going to be talking about the topic of missions and outreach and evangelism, and it's going to be fun. We'll have uh, some students from the Texas Tech Wesley Foundation in over that series. We'll have the Lunlows in. They're going to bring the message one weekend. And so, uh, and then after that, we're going to do a series on the Bible. You know, it occurs to me that that's always a topic we need to revisit and focus. And so we're going to do a series just on the Bible. How did we get it? Where did it come from? How do we read it? How do we understand it? And we'll do a series on that. I think that's a series we need to do on a regular basis. And so that's kind of how our spring is lining up. And I'm sure you've got many fun things in store for the spring. We do as well. The youth have a trip on spring break. We're going to be joining. And so you can be praying for that. That's going to be a lot of fun for Rio Dosa. And it's going to be a good spring. Amen. All right, we're going to finish up our topic on faith. I could probably actually talk about this topic for another four weeks or so because it's such an important topic. There are so many dynamics involved with it. Uh, but our faith is really important. If we can revisit some of the questions that we've asked over the course of this series, you know, we started off this series, what do you want? Do you remember that question? And most of us can't really answer that, can we? I mean, what do you want to eat for lunch? I don't know. What do you want to eat for lunch? We can't even figure out what we want to eat half the time. What do you want? It's an important question to ask. And one of the questions I think it's important to, uh, to think about in regards to exercising our faith, we need an object or, or some goal or destination we want to exercise our faith towards. And then another question I'd like to ask is, what are you asking for? Because if you're not speaking it, if you're not asking for it, then your faith isn't getting exercised. It's kind of like having a piece of exercise equipment in your house, and rather than getting on it and using it, you just walk up and touch it. You know? You actually have to get on the thing and use it. Asking, speaking, is how we exercise our faith. And so I want to revisit a scripture that we started off at the beginning of this series, Mark chapter 11. Zach, if you go ahead and pull it up on the screen. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 24. This is an important faith passage, one of my passages that I've put to memory, and I've just kind of done some highlighting and underlining it to kind of frame the conversation as we kind of put a punctuation mark on this series. And I just want to read through it with you and look at the things that are emphasized. Mark 11, 22 
22 through 24. Everybody say this with me. Have faith in God. Our faith is in a person. As Lynn pointed out, that person is invisible, but he's real, isn't he? Church, God is real, Jesus is alive, and the Holy Spirit is active and working in us every moment of every day. Amen? Have faith in God. Now, can God do anything? God is a supernatural God who is capable of anything that you're willing to exercise your faith in order to achieve. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be easy, does it? But our faith is powerful, and God can do anything. Jesus answered, truly I tell you, if anyone says to this mountain, and what is a mountain? A mountain is a huge obstacle between here and there, isn't it? A mountain is whatever is wanting to get in the way of whatever God is wanting for you, whatever picture he's painting for you that he wants you to believe for. The mountain is the thing that stands between you and that thing. If any of you should say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and, I want you to say this with me, church, does not doubt. There you have it. The biggest enemy to your faith is your doubt. There's exercising your faith, recognizing the positive thing God wants to develop, but it's also important to recognize your enemy, isn't it? It's important to know your opponent. And so the number one enemy to your faith is your doubt. Go throw, go throw yourself in the sea and does not doubt in their heart but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Church, do you see how important confidence is? Our confidence is in God. Amen? I found that whenever I'm focused on God, and I'm confident in God, I'm also confident in myself. Amen? When I'm focused on God, who's capable of anything, and my confidence is in Him, I'm also confident in myself. You know, the opposite of that is also true, isn't it? You know, doubt is a, it's an undermining thing. When we focus on the mountain, we have doubt. When we focus on God, we have confidence. When we focus on the mountain, we have doubt. And doubt is a, it's a subtle thing. Doubt is actually a strategy that we all use to protect ourselves from the fear and the pain of two major things. I want to say that again. Doubt is a strategy. It's a strategy that we use to protect ourselves from the pain that we experience 
in regards to two major things. The fear of catastrophe, number one. And that can look like a lot of different things, can't it? You know, what does catastrophe look like in your life? Maybe it's losing your job. Maybe it's having your spouse leave you. Maybe it's not having enough, the fear that you won't have enough, the fear of catastrophe, the fear of circumstances that are painful. Doubt can help protect us from the pain that we experience when catastrophe happens. It can also help protect us from the fear, our other major fear, which is the fear of man or the fear of negative judgment from others. Two major fears in life, the fear of catastrophe, the fear of of negative judgment from other people, the fear of what other people think. You know, that's why what I do for a living, people say that, you know, the fear of death is not the world's number one fear. It's standing in front of other people and talking. That's people's number one fear. Are you aware of that? Public speaking is the number one fear that people have. You want to know what they're really afraid of? It's not talking in front of other people. It's being judged by other people. Are you with me? And so if I doubt that I will be good at that, what is that a good strategy to do? Protect myself from being judged by other people. Do you see how that works? Doubt is a strategy that we use to keep from taking the risk that faith calls us to take. As a matter of fact, I want to make a proposal to you this morning. We've been spelling faith completely wrong all these years. They probably didn't teach you this in school. But faith isn't spelled F-A-I-T-H, church. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled risk. And risk is scary, isn't it? I want to read you a story from... The Gospel of Matthew this morning. I'm going to be in Matthew 14. It's the story of Peter walking on the water. We're all familiar with that story, aren't we? But it's interesting. Let's read this story in light of what we've learned about faith and doubt and the two major fears, because here's a story where Peter confronts those two major fears, the fear of catastrophe and the fear of what other people think. And he's, he looks at both of those possibilities, and he says, I'm going to go ahead and take the risk to follow Jesus anyway. And we want to look at the dynamics of this story. There are many interesting points in this story in regards to the topic of faith. It's in Matthew 14. I'm going to start reading in verse 25. You're welcome to turn there with me in your phones or uh, in the pew Bibles. There's a pew Bible in front of you. You're welcome to turn there in either place. You're welcome to listen. I typically just like to sit there and listen to the word being preached or read, and, and that works for me. Matthew 14, verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Now, wrap your mind around that. Jesus is walking on the lake, and... Keep in mind, this is immediately after Jesus has just fed 5,000 people with a few loaves and fishes, okay? So Jesus has a pretty good track record going here of being able to do pretty much anything Jesus decides needs to be done, 
Are you with me? And the disciples have witnessed all of that. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. How many of you know we didn't come up with ghosts? Hollywood didn't invite, invent the idea of ghosts. You know, what I haven't figured out, why exactly are ghosts so scary? I, it's like they can't do anything. They can knock on the walls. They can, you know, make weird noise. Well, they, you ever hear of a ghost ever actually hurting anybody? But they're terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. Verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Don't allow fear to dominate your heart and mind. This is an important faith lesson, church. Fear is constantly wanting to hijack our imagination, our emotional chemistry, our expectations of the future. The very first thing Jesus tells his disciples is, you get a grip on that. Get a grip on fear. Verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. I think that's an interesting response by Peter. You know, Lord, if it's you, tell me to get out of the boat in the middle of this storm and come to you on the water. Now, if I'm a guy in the boat and there's a storm, my first thought isn't, huh, I wonder if I can get out of this boat. I mean, think about that. Is that going to be your first thought if you're in a storm in the middle of the water and, hmm, maybe I should get out of the boat too? You know, if I'm afraid and if I want Jesus to prove that it's him, I'm going to say something like, hey, Jesus, if it's you, do a cartwheel. Hey, Jesus, if it's you, snap your fingers, you know, because ghosts can't do that, right? I mean, I would probably think of some other identity test to figure out whether or not that was really Jesus. Peter says, Lord, if it's you, have me get out of the boat and come onto the water with you. Peter's focus is on Jesus, okay? Number one, have faith in God, right? His focus is on Jesus. And number two, he asks for what he wants. Do you see how this works, church? Peter's focused on Jesus doing something impossible. He wonders if it's him or not. And Lord, if it's you, I want to do that with you. And the Lord says to him, because God says, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. Peter's focused on God. He asks, and Jesus says, come. Are you with me, church? Now, this is an important formula here. This is how faith works. Now, we've already established God can do anything, right? Amen? Is that 100% true? It says in Mark chapter 6, verse 5, Jesus was in a certain town, and he could work no miracles because of their unbelief. 
Church, it might be true that God can do anything, but it's also true that God only chooses to act in response to us exercising our faith. It's one of the principles that God has set in place. God can do anything. He wants to do a lot of things, but for some reason, God has chosen to only act in response to us making a choice to exercise our faith or ask him for things. Jesus says uh, he could work no miracles in that place because of their unbelief. And so here we have a story where Peter is asking to get out of the boat, and Jesus says, come. And how many of you know, whenever God calls us to do something, we can have confidence that we will succeed, right? Do you feel me setting you up again? Because you know how the story goes, don't you? Peter gets out of the boat, right? Let's read it. I'm at the the second half of verse 29. Then Peter got down out of the boat, and he walked on the water. Things are looking pretty good so far. And came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And cried out, Lord, save me. Have you ever experienced this in life, where you've been exercising your faith, you've been believing God for something, and it looks like it's going good at first, but all of a sudden it falls apart? Have you ever been there? That's where Peter was, isn't it? He asked God for something. God says, do it. He gets out of the boat. He starts walking on the water. And then what does he do? His focus was on Jesus, and all of a sudden... It's on the wind, and he starts to sink. Church, this is, ha- this is what happened. This is the temptation. Whenever our focus is on God, we have confidence in God. We have confidence in ourselves. But whenever we get our focus off of God and onto our circumstances, fear grips our hearts. We know full well what we're not capable of on our own. And our circumstances began dictating to us how things go. Whenever my focus is on God, I am enough. When my focus is on my circumstances, I am not enough. That is more powerful than me, and I will lose every time. This is how faith works. Focus on God. And and the disciples saw God doing something. Peter, recognizing the circumstances, this is a catastrophe. This could be a catastrophe if I get out of this boat. I could look really stupid in front of my friends. The fear of circumstances or the fear of catastrophe, the fear of man, all functioning. Notice Peter's the only one who chose to get out of the boat, right? The other disciples decided it wasn't such a good idea because of the catastrophe that could happen and because they didn't want to look stupid in front of their friends. Peter overcomes both of those fears, steps out on the water, succeeds at first, ultimately fails, probably pretty embarrassing. Don't you think? Have you ever failed in front of other people? 
I'm a master of it. I remember one time I was a student at Oral Roberts University, and I was taking a, a final exam, midterm exam, midterm exam, and I was sick. It was my first semester there, and I felt weird and out of place. I was sick as a dog, and somehow I was in the wrong class taking the wrong test. That happened. I went ahead and finished the test. I turned it in. I said, forget it. I'm going home and I'm going to bed. Well, guess, this is a, this is a large class, like hundreds of students in it. It's like one of those big auditorium classes. Guess who they chose to make a, an example of in front of all of the other students? This guy right here. Trust me. I've been embarrassed many, many times. I'm a master of it. <clears throat> you do it enough times, eventually it stops bothering you so much. That's how, that's how that works. Peter faces the fear of the catastrophe. He says, that's not going to stop me from doing something I see God doing. And if you remember from the past sermons, how do we see what God is doing, the Holy Spirit is showing us in an inner way, isn't he? You've got to be focused on God, the Holy Spirit, what he's doing and saying on the inside of you. Then you can see what God is doing. You have a difficult time uh, figuring out what you want. If you, figure, if you learn, if you practice uh, getting in touch and getting focused on God, the Holy Spirit, on the inside of you, and you begin seeing what God is doing, that will tell you what you want, church. That's how you figure out exactly what it is that you want. You'll begin seeing what God is doing. And like Peter, you'll want to do that with him. And then you'll be thinking about, there's always going to be a risk between here and there. Whatever it is you're seeing, there's always going to be a mountain of risk between here and there that you're going to have to face and overcome in order to exercise your faith to get what you want. And then there's no guarantee that you're going to get it. Peter sank, right? Here's the thing, and this is how the story ends. I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 3. I think it's kind of a neat way to connect the dots because I'm sure, you know, Peter faced the, the negative consequences of the catastrophe. He was probably embarrassed in front of his friends, and yet Peter was that guy that was always willing to continue taking the risk, wasn't he? He was the one who was willing to speak out. He was the one willing to look stupid in front of other people. But you live with that fear long enough, it no longer has power over you, and eventually, here's what happens, church. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John, these are Jesus' two main guys, two main disciples, Peter and John. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. They both looked straight at him. Look at us. 
So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Verse 6. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Are you getting this? Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Guess who learned how to walk? Guess who learned how to walk on water? This is the very first miracle done by one of the apostles after the resurrection of Jesus. It was Peter and John there. Peter was the one who had the courage to take the risk and look at the man and say, walk. Even though we sank before, right? Because he was willing to take the risk, stare fear straight in the eye, not allow fear to make his decisions for him, which most people do. Most people let fear make their decisions for them. They let doubt make their decisions for them, not faith. But because Peter says, I'm not going to be that guy, he failed, he failed, he failed. But whenever it was showtime, guess who showed up? The first disciple of Jesus to walk in the power that Jesus walked in, to express the miracle-working power of God, was the guy who was willing to fail. And church, that's what faith does more than anything. Faith, keeping our focus on God, having our confidence in God, and whenever we're confident in God, we're confident in ourselves so that when we begin taking risks with our life, we're not sure it's going to work. Many times we will fail. We don't fall apart at the seams when we're failing. We hold it together. We don't get emotionally hijacked. We don't get our focus onto our circumstances and allow those to dictate where our life is going rather than letting the picture that the Holy Spirit is painting for us dictate who we are, where we're going, and how we're going to get there. When we're confident, we don't let failure turn us back. When we're confident in God, we keep our picture focused on that and we keep pushing forward. That's what faith does. We push forward even while we're failing, confident that God is going to work things out. As the scripture says, God works all things for the good of those who love him. Amen? So church, that's how we're going to wind up this series. Today is Communion Sunday, and we're going to take communion. And as we wind up this series, one, things that, one of the things that we understand as Methodists when, we, when it comes to Holy Communion we're going to receive real grace or real power from God. So I would just challenge you as you come forward, let faith be the topic of your receiving this morning. Let faith in God. We focus on what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. We focus on, through Holy Communion, uh, we are righteous before God. We are accepted by God. We have confidence in that this morning. And so let's ask God to re-spark our faith, to re-energize 
our commitment to actually exercising our faith. Our focus is on God this morning, and this is the beginning of the Lent season. And so we've got a special